Uh, before we get started with the uh, with the the message, um, actually, that's, never mind. <laughs> uh, we'll. Um, I want to introduce some very special people. I was going to say before we get started with the message, but that's not true because we're going to get like multiple messages today. So, um, but I want to introduce a couple of very special people. Um, Brandy McMillan, my sister-in-law, first of all. You want to come up here, Brandy? Is Evan here too? Are you guys talking together or are you taking turns? Okay. Yeah, Evan, why don't you come on up so you'll be ready. She can sit down here too. Yeah. So uh, Brandy is our children's pastor. Give it up for Brandy. So when we first started the church, at least one of my personal desires for the church is that it would be a place where my kids could grow up the way I grew up, where um, the church I went to, the people I went to church with felt like my aunts and uncles, and it's a very family environment, and I, it, even to this day, if I was in trouble, there were people I went to church with back then that I could call them if I was, if I needed to be bailed out of jail or something. <laughs> my parents weren't available. It's kind of a joke and kind of not. I could call those people, and they'd look after me. I mean, I'm not planning on doing anything to get thrown in jail, but that's really desire. And, and Brandy has done such an amazing job with the children's ministry, it's one of the best things, maybe the best thing we have going on. And um, anyway, Brandy's going to share a little bit. <laughs> All right, guys. So, um, so today I just wanted to share my heart for our kids and why I love kids ministry. Um, and asking the Lord what I should share, uh, he reminded me of two stories um, to share about myself. So the first one, we're going to go way back to when I was a kid, um, about nine years old, and I was living in Denton, Texas with my family, and we lived in a trailer, in a trailer park, and um, just so you guys know, as far as trailer parks go, it was a nice trailer park. (laughs) Um, Maybe it's because I remember it different as a child, but we had two pools, we had clubhouses, we had a pond that had a fountain, and geese lived there, and um, we also had this awesome playground that had a tornado shelter underneath of it. I guess, you know, growing up in Texas, you need those sort of amenities. Um, but anyway, my brother and I, um, we were only allowed to go on our street to play. And so I, on our street, I was the oldest one. <laughs> my brother's two years younger than me, and so all the other kids that lived on our street, they were about his age or younger. So I didn't mind, though. Um, I would end up playing with all of them and keep them from fighting um, and just had a great time with them, honestly. But I remember this one particular day when um, I was out with the kids, um, and we were playing a version of freeze tag. And so what I would do is I would grab one by the arm and their leg, and then I would spin them around and then toss them. <laughs> and wherever they landed in the grass, they had to freeze. So we were playing this. <laughs> And um, I just remember one of the fathers came out, and he came up to me, and he was like, thank you for watching my kids. And I was like, hmm? And he handed me money, and I was like, oh, I wasn't watching your kid. And so um, so um, thinking back or remembering back on that, I just really feel like there was always something inside of me, even at such a young age, to always just look after kids and be with kids, but just protect them. And um, later on in my life, I would identify that little thing as like a, a mommy sort of um, instinct 
just to take care of them. Um, and it's funny because it, it always reared its head later on in my life and every, all these different situations. So, um, so my next story is flash-forwarding to um, about the mid-'90s <laughs> when I was 19 in college and I was living in Columbus, Ohio. And during this time was um, when the Toronto Blessing and Brian, Brownsville Revival was happening. And um, I had had a few supernatural encounters with the Lord that was taking me or leading me on this super awesome path of being free and hearing the Lord's voice. And um, at the time, I was attending this church that was also being set free. Um, so... <laughs> On Sundays during worship, I would go to the back of the church, um, basically because I was being, I was super free and I needed the space to be as free and crazy as I could, you know, I just needed the space back there. And I remember, um, noticing during worship, um, the kids that were standing next to their parents. And I remember, um, seeing that the kids wanted to have fun, and they wanted to be free. And I, I just remember seeing that the parents were a little unsure of that. They didn't want their kids to come off as, like, misbehaving or goofing off. And I remember um, going to some of the parents that I had really good relationships with, and I would, I would just mention to them, I was like, hey, if your kids would like to come in the back of the church and dance with me, that would be totally fine with me. And I, after that, I would find myself in the back of the church with, I don't know, some like six kids. I don't even remember. I just remember there being a good amount of kids back there with me. And these kids ranged. Like my daughter is almost seven years old. And I think these kids might have been six or seven and below. And so we would go back there and we would worship on Sundays and they would have fun. But the thing is, is that these kids were actually having real encounters with the Lord. They would be laid out on the floor before the Lord, and they were having really being touched by the Lord. And some of these kids were shaking under the power of God. And these are little kids. Sorry. So um, this is my heart. This is who I am. This is what I've always done. I, I see kids. I don't want kids to be overlooked. And that's my heart. And that's why I do what I do. I want them to um, experience him. I want them to be free in him. I want them to hear his voice. I want them to be changed by him. And so I have a desire to provide opportunity and lead kids to have real relationships with the Lord. Now that I have kids of my own, I want this for them. And I want this for my niece, and I want this for my nephews, and I want this for my friends' kids. And I want this for, for our kids, everyone's kids. That's why I do what I do, and that's why I love kids' ministry. Um, I would like to, to invite some of you um, out there that are interested in being a part of what we're doing. Um, but first, I wanted to invite Ebony Williams up, and 
her to come share a little bit about what she does and her experience working with our six to nine-year-olds. Thanks. Um, I'm going to keep this really quick. Uh, the main purpose of us talking is just so that you guys are excited about joining us in hopes that maybe some of you will join our team and, and really get to invest in our children. Um, I moved to Charlotte three years ago and since then have pretty much been involved in the kids' ministry. When I started, there was only up to five years old because that's how old the kids were. And now we have teenagers, which is crazy. Um, so when I started, there was not a six to nine class and... I was helping with the preschool, but I actually didn't really feel like I was a great fit for that class because I wanted them to like learn something and they were like more interested in like the goldfish. So I, I mean, I loved it. It was great. And honestly, like if you are interested in helping with the kids, that is a great class to be in. It's, it's really fun. The kids are adorable. Um, they have to go to the bathroom more and they are also more prone to crying. So the six to nine class is a great fit for someone who really wants to invest in the learning of kind of sculpting in the small 45 minute once a month segments. Um, and that's been really fun for me. When I started the class, there was like five kids maybe. And now I think we've had like 25 <laughs> sometimes in the class, which is a lot, which is why we're up here because we need help. Um, and so I teach once a month. Um, we have a really amazing curriculum that Brandy puts together. It's so easy. Like, I'm not even joking. It's the easiest thing. It's you get a little information from Brandy beforehand. It's all ready for you. She has everything, bottles of water, goldfish cups, everything ready for you. You come in, you share maybe a little bit about the topic, try to keep it relational with the kids and build a friendship with them, do an activity, and then their, their parents come get them. So as far as being qualified, if you love kids, if you are kind, then you're qualified to, to help. Um, I, I did do some daycare and teaching, stuff like that, so I had some context that I came, felt prepared and ready. If you don't have a lot of experience doing this sort of thing, if you want to shadow, um, volunteer to assist, that would be also really helpful. Um, and then a leader of the class can help do more of the teaching stuff. Um, as far as stories go, I mean, I, I really have gained a lot by um, participating in the kids' ministry. I feel like I have found a lot of um, community with the parents. I don't have any kids of my own, but I've gotten to know your kids, and through that, gotten to know your you guys as well. And when I see a mom of one of my students at a ladies' night, then I have that context to say, hey, you know, you're Oliver's mom, like, he's awesome. I love, I love how much he loves learning. And, and then, like, I have my niece and nephew in the class, and I'm, like, excited for the rest of my nieces and nephews to be older and be in my class, like, have a chance to speak into their upbringing in the church. And we keep it really fun. So it's not, I don't have to have this, like, pastoral understanding of the scripture. I, I really just get to take what's given in the curriculum that Brandy is really awesome and does, and give my perspective. And at the end of the day, it's it's really fun. So that's kind of my experience in the class. I've gained so much, feel so much a part of the Queen City family by participating, and it's been two and a half years, and I have no, you know, I, I can see myself doing this forever. Like, it's it's not hard. It's not burdensome. Like, it's very, I keep saying that, it's very easy. <laughs> but it, you get a lot from it. Like I've gained relationships with eight-year-olds, which is awesome because they're really sweet. And when they catch my eye, like I always love when I see Charlie, like he always gives me like a really shy wave, like hi, Miss Ebony. So um, it's really a gift to get to help. And if you're interested and you want to shadow or teach, get in touch with Brandy. Thank you, Ebony. Yes.
Ebony is awesome, and we do have a lot of awesome um, volunteers back there. Um, currently, um, we have um, husband and wife teams um, that volunteer with us. Um, six of these couples are expecting babies. So that means within two to three months, half my volunteer base is going to be out of rotation. So I am here, and I... <laughs> Um, I really need lots of help, honestly. This, I mean, honestly, I need lots of help. And so if you would like to be part of what we're doing with our kids, um, please email. My, our, my email is up there. Please email. You can do that on your phone right now if you want to get your phones out right now. <laughs> I don't see anybody typing. Come on, people. Okay. So just um, email me your phone number and your name. <laughs> or come find me, okay? I'm over there in the kids' um, area. But um, just let me know your name and your phone number so that I could contact you right away. And for those that have signed up in the last week or two, I will be contacting you because I have the little volunteer sheet out there. I saw it. Um, so maybe you are thinking that you would like to do this, but you don't want to do it by yourself. So your friend next to you, go ahead and ask them to do it with you. Or your spouse. <laughs> so anyways, thank you guys. Thank you for having awesome kids. That was awesome. And if you, I'm sure you've noticed, like, the church is growing, whether we like it or not. And, uh, um, and we're trying to figure out how to accommodate the growth. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's really great uh, that we're growing. But also, if we don't pay attention, we're not going to be able to facilitate it all. So, you know, help. <laughs> um, I'm going to invite my buddy Eric Hirsch to come up. He's going to bring a message today. I'm going to pray for him. Lord Jesus, bless Eric. We love him. We thank you for all that you've put uh, inside of him, Lord Jesus. And we're excited to hear what you have to say through him this morning, Lord. Just um, I pray that everything that you have for him to speak and share would come the way you have it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Morning. I'm going to try to make this really quick because I realize that we're not like, you know, we're getting close to 11.45, which means I know you guys all, you guys would like to be out of here around noon, right? That was quiet. <laughs> like, yes, we would. All right. Well, I've, what I've planned is uh, very quickly. My name is Eric. Like John Mark said, if you don't know me, um, I, I am not professional in any way, shape, or form in the religious side. I am a graphic designer have been for years, art director, graphic design, all that kind of stuff. So um, religiosity is not my day job. Um, but uh, as a result, um, I think uh, I, I try to – graphic design is so much about service, and I think that uh, following the way of Christ dovetails with that – or. Graphic design dovetails with following in the way of Christ so nicely. You know, it, it helps me uh, live as a professional person. And one of the things I want to talk about just quickly, John Mark kind of like just skidded on this just a, a, a few moments ago about working spiritual disciplines in our lives, right? About um, finding things that we do 
again and again and again over a lifetime that form us into the image of Christ, into the person, uh, man, woman, who can, without thinking, do the things that Christ would do, right? Um, One of the coolest things about Christianity, in my opinion, and one of the things that's, that's, you know, there's there's a few notes that uh that i've 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 personally heard and felt over the last you know years uh in in my in my following um that have kept me in the fold you know um i'm not going to lie uh christianity is not for the faint of heart following jesus is not for the faint of heart um it, it never was and it never uh you know, every age has its own particular challenges, right? And um, our age is no different. Um, and if, uh, you know, I, I, I think um, if you've been awake and alive during the last um, few years, you know that the currents of culture just wave us all across the place, and I'm no stranger to that. So I think one of the things that has helped me maintain um, you know, some semblance of balance or some semblance of focus has been what kind of Andy and John Mark have already kind of hinted at or talked about this morning, which is the idea that Christianity is not an escape hatch religion, right? I mean, some of some of us have, have kind of grown up in that or, you know, we're privy to some version of the escape hatch religion version of Christianity. But at the end of the day, Christianity as it as it as it goes and you know from the old testament to the new testament is 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 a is a religion of now right of how to live now you know we think about um all the patriarchs and matriarchs of the faith from the old testament to the new testament and one thing that we see is god delivers them always but it's always a delivering through not a delivering from does that make sense? You know, you think about uh, old stories like, how many of you guys are uh, familiar with the old story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? As you, if, there was, if you went to a thing that was such thing as a Sunday school, you probably learned that um, in Sunday school. If not, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were these three um, uh, Jewish kids in the, the, the hem of the garment of a large kingdom that was not their own. And uh, they were thrown into a fire. <laughs> Uh, together, and God did not keep them from the fire, but he kept them in the fire, right? I mean, we think about, um, you know, the other stories, Daniel, right? How many of you guys know the story of Daniel's and, and the lion's den? If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you, you know this story about how um, another big king throws sweet Daniel into the pit with lions, Right. And God doesn't keep Daniel out of the lion's den. He but he does keep him through the lion's den, if that makes sense. You think of uh, we think of, um, of of Moses. Right. He doesn't keep Moses out of trouble. He doesn't keep Moses out of the desert uh, in any way, shape or form. But he delivers Moses through the desert. Right. And then we think of. We think of Mary, right, called to carry Jesus. 
And God never delivers Mary through the pain of childbirth, but he delivers her through the pain of childbirth. And then finally, we think of Jesus, uh, who he is not, you know, there's the famous uh, words of Jesus where he's kind of turning to the Father and he's saying, hey, can this cup pass before me? Can I not go through this? And the answer seems to come back. No, you have to go right through this, which, of course, we all know was death, right? So what I, one thing that helps me is as, as really, like, uh, depressing as that <laughs> may seem, one of the things that helps me as a person is the idea that Christianity doesn't, you know, it doesn't bypass the hardnesses of life. Right? It doesn't, it doesn't uh, excuse the hardnesses of life. It doesn't uh, pretend like the hardnesses of life are not there. If you grew up with a Christianity in which that was true, it is not the one that you find in the Bible. Right? The one that you find in the Bible is rife with hardness, death, disease, uh, deep deprivation, um, all kinds of, all the stuff that happened in a typical human life, right? Um, that's what you find. And what I love about Christianity is, is God doesn't escape us out of that, but he takes us through that um, into better ways of being human, better ways of, of living, better ways of being uh, who we are. And all of us at one time or another want to escape, right? In, in, in the deep, dark recesses of our lives, there are things that we go through where we would rather not be who and where we are, right? Uh, if we're honest, some of us um, have, have, have had times where we would rather not have the parents that we have. Some of us would rather not have the husband that we have. Some of us would rather not have the, the wife that we have. Someone would, if we're really honest, some of us in our darker moments have said, in our own mind, hopefully not out loud, or maybe we have, that we don't want the children that we have. You know, some of us uh, may have never had the opportunity to have children, and that's what we always wanted, and we did not get that. Um, there are all kinds of things that we want to escape. And one of the things I want to talk about today, as quickly as possible, is one of the options that we have as Christians at our disposal, an exercise that will keep us, instead of trying to escape these things, of going through these things. Does that make sense? So I want to talk about a spiritual discipline that we can all practice together that will help us go through the hardnesses of life, through the problems of life, uh, into the problems of life. And this is fairly foundational. This might seem to be kind of boring to some. But I want to talk about Thanksgiving. Because in my own life, probably more so than any other practice of God, it's been the thing that has kept me most sane, most together, uh, most helping others, most in the area of service, most pliable than any other thing has. Now, here's the thing. For, in a room of this size, there, are, there is no one-size-fits-all. Each one of you has a different personality, a different temperament, 
And some things are going to resonate with you in different ways than they will resonate with me or anyone else in this room. Uh, so please take what is good and then what does not resonate with you, move on into something else. But I can tell you this, there are many different disciplines that we can practice as Christians, and some of these are going to resonate with you, and they're going to be the thing that helps you through. So I'm not going to say that, you know, if you just personally practice Thanksgiving, that all of a sudden all your problems are going to be gone. Number one, that would completely uh, um, be against what I just said, <laughs> which is that uh, Christianity is not an escape hatch religion, so don't hear all of a sudden we're going to practice thankfulness and our problems are going to be gone. That is not true. But what thankfulness does do is it helps us go through the problems we do have. Does that make sense, everybody with me? Okay. I can be a little bit uh, heady and mono, uh, you know, uh, I could sometimes be a little boring. So stay with me, if you can. Okay, we all know the Apostle Paul said, be thankful in all things, right? Which is just another way of saying life is really crappy sometimes, and you need to be thankful in those things as well as everything else. Thankfulness is not fairy magic. We don't sprinkle magical fairy thankful dust on ourselves. And that we ultimately have the ability to love in any situation. Um, we think of Jesus' call to new birth. Um, let's take that metaphor all the way. When we are beginning on our uh, journey with Jesus, when we are the newborn, right? Newly reborn. Uh, there are things that we're not going to be able to do that we're going to be able to do when we are preteens in Jesus, <laughs> and then there are things that we're going to be able to do when we are fully mature. Does that make sense? Um, so some of you guys are going to be PhDs in thankfulness and Christianity, and some of you guys are going to be like mid-level, and some of you guys are going to be just starting out in this thing. And, and I believe that thankfulness can help uh, all of us, because thankfulness is the thing that helps open up the wine. It's the thing that helps loosen us. In some ways, uh, Thankfulness is an exercise in, uh, um, you know, kind of um, bringing the oil into your situation. It's in some ways it, it it's the oil of gladness, letting that loose in your mind. That is what thankfulness does so well. It just kind of you know it's the oil in your car, right? It keeps things from like getting too hot and. Seizing up. Keeps your engine going. And thankfulness is the practice of viewing the world as it is and then injecting the transcendence of, of God and, of the trans, and the transcendence of the kingdom of heaven into that situation, right? Jesus said, one of my favorite, if you've, if you've known me at all, you know that this is one of my favorite sayings of Jesus. One of my favorite sayings of Jesus is, to those who have been given... Much more will be given to, and do those who do not have even what they have will be taken away from them. I love that. Some of you are going, that is an insane thing to like, 
that, <laughs> that Jesus said. Because on the surface, it's a really hard saying. I mean, it sounds a little bit like one percenter capitalism, right? It's like, okay, cool. Like, um, you know, the people who already have stuff in this world, you know, the one percenters, the people who, you know, were lucky enough to be born into a lot of money, a lot of stuff, a lot of fame, they're going to get more of it. And the people who are unlucky enough in life to be born into a lower situation, even what they do have is going to get ripped from them. Well, that sounds awful. That's no way to live. And it's definitely not, I mean, to me, that doesn't feel like um, comfort that Jesus talked about. It doesn't feel like, uh, you know, a light yoke or anything like that. But what it is, when we begin to turn that, those words over and over again in our mind, as we begin to evaluate what Jesus is really saying here, the operative word here is even what they do have. So think about this saying again, right? Jesus is saying, to those who have, even more will be given. And he's saying, those who do not have, even what they do have will be stripped away from them. Well, if you don't have anything, how can you have something taken away from you? It's kind of odd. What Jesus is getting at here is perception. When you do not think that you have something, how can you make use of it? If you do not think that you have something, how could you ever make use of it? So guess what? The minute that you have the perception that you do not have something... You do not have it. And what thankfulness does so well is it gives us back what we actually have. Okay? So thankfulness really, at its core, is a learning how to see. Okay? That's what thankfulness is and that's what thankfulness does. It opens up. It opens up the vista it broadens the landscape. It takes us from looking through the pinholes of our lives into the broad landscapes that God wants for us. So what I want to talk about with the remaining time I've got here Looks like I lost the, the rest of my notes, but luckily I remember most of what I wanted to say. So what I want to talk about for the remaining time here is, is less lecture and more lab. Okay, so what I want to do is offer to you guys, especially those, just out of curiosity, how many of you are in your 20s in here? Awesome, awesome. Not that I'm not speaking to anyone outside of that age. You guys can take this stuff too. But if you're in your 20s, this is a great time to start this kind of practice, the practice, the practical practice of being thankful that opens up your life over a long term. And what I'm telling you now, I can tell you from my own experience has been invaluable. It's kept me on the rails of life. It's kept me, uh, you know, inside God's will. I feel like, I mean, it doesn't mean that I'm not careening across the road like a drunken, uh, driver, but um, 
I'm still somewhere around, you know, that, that kind of thing. So number one, in your practice of thanksgiving, you need to be consistent. doesn't mean that you have to be superhero. It just means that you need to be consistent. So number one, a daily practice of thanksgiving really will change your life. And by daily, I don't mean more than five minutes a day. If you can carve out five quiet minutes to be thankful, I guarantee that there will be huge, huge returns. Right? Here's one of the things that I love about Jesus. Jesus always says start small. And he always says start with what you have. Right? So, you know, you think about that, uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount, right? When we think about that, um, that, that uh, or, you know, when Jesus is speaking on the hillside and no one has anything to eat, and Jesus asks the disciples, well, what do you have? Right? He doesn't, he doesn't ask them to go find something that they don't have. He's saying, what are the materials available for you right now? And they go like, well, it's pretty paltry. And then they show him what they got. And he's like, that's perfect. And then he is able to multiply what they actually have. Right? So what you actually have available to you is at least five minutes a day to get alone, to get quiet, and to become thankful. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, be specific. Right? Start close. Start close in. Don't try to start heroically. Just don't try to start out. Start with what's close and start with what you're actually thankful for. And even if you're the kind of person who at this point in your life, you've kind of stopped being thankful for much, there's something that you can be thankful for. Are you thankful to be alive? Maybe not. But maybe you're at least thankful for this music that you've been listening to. But you have to be specific, right? So you have to be not just thankful. Oh, God, I'm thankful for my life. That will not help you. What you have to do is be very specifically thankful for the actual things that are actually in your life, right? So, thank you, God, so much for this specific relationship, this specific person. And why am I thankful for that specific person? Because of this, because of this, and because of this. And when you begin to have that specificity, in your life, you will begin to see things grow, kingdom things grow, that you never expected to grow. Okay, number three, you need imagination. In Thanksgiving, one of the best things that you can do is to be imaginative, to open your creativity up. Because that's, that's, that's where God wants us to be, in that creative zone. Right? And, and you know, thankfulness seems, can kind of seem kind of dry, but one of the things that you can get, you can see, is especially over time, as you do this day in and day out, you can begin to, to, you will go through times of dryness, because that's part of life, okay? Again, Christianity is not escape hatch, it's not going to be like some kind of like, um, you know, Wall Street perfection, where, you know, the guy invested in Apple here, remember, well, I invested when it was $13.50, and Steve Jobs was still not a part of this company, and it went straight up, and now I live in a mansion on the hill. That's not going to happen to you with Thanksgiving, okay? Um, you're not going to invest here, and then just have this straight up kind of thing, all right? It's going to be like that. But during those dry times, that's really when you need full creativity, to begin to think 
creatively about the things that you were thankful for and the ways that you were thankful for, for them. So you start with the, the things closest to you, and then you move in concentric circles out, right? So you, you think of people. You think of situations. You think of ideas to be thankful for. You think of, uh, of, of nature to be thankful for. You think of, of uh, situational um, possibilities to be thankful for. You begin to th- be thankful for things that move concentric circles out, right? And then you begin to look at the world. You begin to look at the world slightly differently. And you begin to notice things not that are not there, but you begin to notice things that are actually there. And, and you begin to, the, the, um, the flavor of your thankfulness begins to be colored by the reality of your actual world, by the world that you actually exist in, a world in, in which you are bound by time, you are bound by traffic, you are bound by circumstances and jobs and people uh, and things and things that people have created that make your life much easier and things that you have people have created that makes your much life much harder and then you begin to find yourself thankful in those situations and then you can be creative inside those things usually limitations don't make us less creative limitations give us a box to which to be creative in that makes sense most of us are less creative when we have absolutely no limitations when we have limitations suddenly we are Wildly creative. Number four. When you are able to have a, thank, a practice of thankfulness that is daily, a practice of thankfulness that is personal and specific, and then a th- practice of thankfulness that begins to be uh, involved in your actual life, but it begins to invoke creativity, the next logical step, and this is the real Jesus movement is to begin to become thankful for the enemy in your life the other in your life the the person who makes things harder in your life the the situations that you hate uh the situations that you uh quite frankly can't stand um but don't start there if you start there you'll never You'll never, <laughs> you probably won't move very fast or very far. You'll probably just stop, okay? But this is where we're going with this, okay? Because all of a sudden, guess what thankfulness does in those situations? It turns impediments into stairs. Does that make sense? Because all of a sudden, all those impediments that we have are not impediments anymore. And we begin to see, even in our enemies, we begin to see, even in our uh, hardest moments, we begin to see the way that God is using those to sculpt us into something much more than we ever would have been on our own. All right, belabored the point enough. What I would love to do today as we end this is to spend just a few moments ourselves practicing thankfulness. So, what I would love us to do is to think about one specific person that we are specifically thankful for. And think of the specific thing that you are thankful for them for. And most likely, uh, if you have a rich inner life, there should be multiple things. But let's just focus on one or two so let's just take some time. Go ahead. You're free you're free to think.
The next thing I think that would be wonderful for us to be thankful for is to be thankful for a specific situation in our lives. For those of you who are already PhDs in thankfulness, I would suggest let's go ahead and go to the hard stuff. For those of us who are early in our practice of thankfulness or you are young, start somewhere that's very obvious for you. What is a structure or a situation in your life that you can easily be thankful for? And think of the specific reason that you are thankful for that and tell God, even if it's in your own mind. And one thing that's cool that you'll notice, especially if you haven't done this a lot, is as you are thankful for these things, a lot of times what happens is you begin to, your mind begins to wonder in thankfulness. Um, I have a newborn at home, so I haven't been able to do this for a while. But um, (laughs) I, I do practice thankfulness. But on Sundays, I used to have this practice where uh, I would take a nap. And then I would give myself 15 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes, sometimes 30, where I would just lay in bed or on the couch after having taken a Sunday nap. And one of the things that I would try to practice, not every week, but occasional, is just starting like we did with people that I'm thankful for. And then I move on to situations that I'm thankful for. And then I would move to ideas that I was thankful for. And then I would begin to move to larger things, and then I would just give myself 15 to 20 minutes to just let my mind wander and in under the influence of thankfulness, if that makes sense. And you begin to connect all these dots, and you begin to see that you are interrelated, right? You begin to see all the ways, all of a sudden, all the ways that you are not your own person, you never had bootstraps of your own to pull up, you, um, you know, it's like, I remember one time I was sitting there or laying there and I was just thinking of all the people that had helped me to get me to the point that I was currently at. You know, and I was started counting and I started bringing those people in front of my mind and I was thinking, you know, at first it's like, you know, your parents and your grandparents and whatever. And everybody's got different stories. You might not that might not be your story. But teachers and friends and you know, you begin to wonder it's 10 people it's 20 people it's 30 people and you realize you know none of this happened accidentally you know which is awesome and i can tell you after that you feel amazing right you feel like a million dollars now of course it doesn't stay with you unfortunately you know we all kind of leak but that's why we need this intentional uh practice all right Thank you so much for listening to a boring guy talk at you for 20 to 25 minutes. I appreciate it. And here's my friend John Mark Vermillion.
That was great. Thanksgiving is learning how to see. I wrote that down in my book. That's awesome. Um, I've recently been reading some about spiritual discipline, and there's, uh, I think it's uh, Richard Foster who says that uh, the spiritual disciplines are the way you say yes to God. They're the way you say yes to God. They're not things you do to yourself to make you better, but they're the things you do to allow God to do what he has to do, what he wants to do in your life. So I want to say more yes to God. I don't know about you guys, but I want to say a lot more yes. A lot more yes. So, um, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for everything that happened today. Um, such a great morning, Lord, full of awesome stuff, Lord. So thank you so much for everything we heard and learned and experienced this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we have ministry teams. If anyone wants a prayer or are they doing prophetic ministry as well? Andy, Mama, yes. If you want um, some prayer, prophetic ministry, um, we're going to have ministry teams, and they will be at the front, correct? Yep, so just come on up after the service, and they'll be happy to pray with you and speak into you and uh, whatnot. All right, thank you guys. See you next week.